And we're all going to, one of the, there's a couple different ways that you can memorize scripture. One is by re reading it over and over. You can, and that's a, a good way to do it. You, you spend time reading the word of God and, and, and just reading over it, meditating on it, and reading over it, meditating on it. But to memorize it, sometimes we've got to read it. Sometimes we've got to write it. Sometimes we've got to do it over and over again, not just in a day. You might write it on a card, stick it up on a, on a wall, uh, stick, it, stick it at your desk, uh, stick it in your mirror, that someplace you're going to go all the time, in the refrigerator, wherever it is you're going to, you're going to be, uh, you put that scripture there. So we're going, to, we're going to, what's that? Some people sing, and then others can't. So <laughs> I, I, know, I can't sing either, John. So, we're, so what we are going to do is we're all going to learn a memory verse. So this is your memory verse for the week. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. So this week, we're going to do it with our Bibles. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You may know this. This is a, a, a wonderful verse. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, it, it goes along with the last song that we sung. We sung, sang, whatever it is. The wrong, bad grammar. But it says this. Read it out loud with me. We're going to read it. We're going to read it together five times. And your job, when we come back next week, is nobody's going to have their Bibles open, and we're all going to say it together. <laughs> Richard, Richard Mars like, we ain't going to be here next week. <laughs> all right, Galatians chapter 2.20. Let's read it together five times. Verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now you're all like, that is too long. There's no way I can memorize that. Yes, you can. I'm going to pull out the old Obama thing. Yes, we can. All right. Let's read it again. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that five or was that four? Let's do it one more time. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I want to encourage you. I, I, one of the things that I do to, to memorize scriptures is not just that I, because if you can memorize it by rote, that's okay. But what really matters is that you know what it means. So to help me remember it, I study it out. I, I look at what it means because it helps remind me of what the words say. Okay, so, so, so go through it this week, uh, think about what those words say, meditate on it, repeat it, write it down, whatever you got to do, so that next Sunday afternoon, actually not Sunday, after, Sunday afternoon, we'll do it Sunday morning, because the kids are, next week is the kids, is it the 13th? Yeah, next week is the kids' youth-led service, so, uh, so we'll, we'll do this in the morning, all right? Everybody, everybody okay with that? All right. 
No. <laughs> John doesn't. John doesn't think so. That's all right. We're gonna do it anyways. Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one for for the message this this e- evening, afternoon, whatever it is nowadays. Colossians one. We're gonna read verse ten. We'll finish up our series on walking worthy. Colossians 1.10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the instruction of your word. And Lord, I, I ask that your word would, would uh, dwell in us richly. God, I pray that you would help us to see the truth of it, Lord, that we would learn and understand, but most of all, we would allow it to change us. I pray that your spirit would sanctify us by your word, and that you would cleanse us, Lord, that you would strengthen us, teach us, instruct us, and God, that you would, Lord, give us what we need for today and for the rest of this week, Lord, for the rest of our lives, truly. And I ask that in, in doing so, Lord, that we're able to glorify you. Help me to preach your word, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Paul here is writing to the church at Colossae, and he's, he has heard of their faith. He's heard of what's gone, going on in their life, and he's thankful. Uh, man, what a blessing it is to hear, hear about somebody getting saved and hear how they walk in the truth and, and see how the Lord is working in their life. And, and Paul references that in the, in the verses leading up to this, and he's, he tells them because of what he's heard, he is praying for them. That's why verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's important for us to grow in the knowledge of the word of God. Amen? Uh, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Bible tells us, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's important for us to be hearers of the word, to, to gain that knowledge, to gain that understanding. And we gain it in several different ways. We gain it through the preaching of the word. In, in uh, Thessalonians, uh, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, and he said, he said uh, that he was thankful that they received the preaching of the word as it was in truth the word of God. Uh, they didn't take it as just two guys coming to teach them something. They didn't take it in any other, as anything else other than the truth of the word of God, and they allowed that truth to change their lives. And it did, because they preached the gospel to them. Amen? And, it's, and the gospel will change your life. So it's good to have that knowledge. It's good to have that understanding. But if we have knowledge, and if we have understanding, but we don't apply, the, apply that knowledge and understanding to our lives, we lack the wisdom and Truthfully, we lack obedience. Uh, uh, we're, we're to be obedient to the word. It isn't just for our, our, our educational knowledge. Uh, uh, anybody ever do algebra in school? I hated algebra. Is, that anybody, is everybody with me? Algebra is the ter- most terrible subject that they could ever teach children. It, it is punishment uh, worse than death. <laughs> That's how I felt. I, I hated that when I say this, I was homeschooled, and my mom was my teacher, so she was that, no, I'm just kidding, she, she was my teacher, but, but uh, as I, I was in older grades, and at that point in time, I did a lot of the, uh, I had the information, I just did it, except for in algebra, I hated it so much, I started to cheat. <clears throat> I knew where the answer key was, 
and and she knows this. I, I ratted myself out back then, uh, but uh, I, I, I can't say I ratted myself out. Let me rephrase that. I confessed my sin is what I did. Uh, but uh, uh, and it man, it killed me for months. It killed me before, until finally I went and told him. But I, I cheated because I thought there's no way I'm ever going to use this. There's now those in the medical field don't make fun of me because I know that we use algebra in the medical field all the time. Uh, but but. Back then, I thought, there's no way I'm ever going to use any of this stuff. It's just wasting my time, and I hate it. And then I learned when I became a paramedic, and they said, okay, you're going to give this medication, and it's not just a simple bolus of, you know, however many cc's. You need to figure out the drip rate for, for, for uh, lidocaine or this drip rate or that drip rate or this drip rate. And I said, so this is while I'm in school. I'm like, so how do I do this? College-age kid? And I'm like, great. And they're like, well, it's this algebraic equation. I'm like, oh. Algebra, again, we meet at last. I, I, I hated it. It was, uh, but but I, I, it was wisdom, knowledge that I thankfully got a tutor after I, I confessed my sin and of uh, cheating, and uh, they, we had a lady in our church, our song leader's wife, who was a math teacher, praise the Lord, and she took a couple of weeks to help me get caught back up and and be where I was and 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 get where I was. Thankfully, I was able to take that I thought useless knowledge and apply it to my life. So that, <laughs> no, it's still useless. <laughs> well, any, anytime you get, you're in an ambulance and you're on the way to the hospital and, that, and you see, you see that, 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 guy, that, or in the hospital with the nurse, whatever it is, and you see, you see, the, you see them, you know, fiddling with the drugs that are hanging. No, no. <laughs> well, they're just practicing medicine for a reason, I guess. <laughs> but that, that's knowledge that's being put into use, Right? The Word of God is supposed to be the same thing. There is, it's not just for our educational knowledge. And listen, when we, get, when we read something in the Word of God that confronts us and teaches us that what we're doing is wrong or what we're thinking is wrong, it's, it's different than that isn't pleasant. Let's just be honest. I don't like it when the Bible tells me I'm wrong. Do you like to be told when you're wrong? There is no, there's no husband that would ever tell us, well, and live, tell his wife and live. And I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We we don't like that. It's an affront to us. But we have to understand that this is, in truth, the Word of God. And God's Word is greater than our ideas or thoughts or opinions. And that we need to take the Word of God and apply it, not just for educational purposes, but so that we can live. So that we can live not according to our own ways, but according to God's ways. There's a place in the Old Testament in the book of Judges, and it's a phrase used several times, and they did that which was right in their own eyes. That means they thought what they were doing was right. They, they, they examined their actions, they examined their decisions, and they said, you know what? I did a pretty good job. Have you ever done that before with something that you've done, made? It's like, ah, that's pretty good. And then somebody else comes along and, there's that, there's that. I used to hate it when my, when my stuff would get corrected, whether it's in school or college. I'm like, oh, I thought I got that. Oh, that's not right. Oh, oh, oh. You don't like it. But it's important that we understand the Word of God is right and that we live our lives and apply that to us. Now, we look at verse 10 here, and Paul says, listen, I'm praying for you, not just that you have the wisdom and understanding, but that ye might walk worthy. That word walk means to, to live our lives. And we're not going to go deep into this because we've already covered it. We're, we, 
I'm trying to get to a certain point, but I want to. I don't want to just jump into it and 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 not have a good basis here uh, and remind people what, what it says. We're to walk worthy. We're to live. Uh, it's talking about the way that we live our lives. It's talking about the the, the way that we the way that we act, the choices that we make, the places we go, the things we watch, the, 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 the music we listen to. I mean, we can get right down to the nitty-gritty of every little thing. Our lives are to be a, 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 a glowing recommendation of what God has done in our lives, not to bring shame on the name of Christ. And many times, we'll look at what we're doing and say, hey, that's good, I like this. But then the Word of God comes around and says, oh, I don't like that. And suddenly I realized what I thought was good, it was right in my own eyes, in the eyes of God, isn't right. Now, we can react in two different ways. In the Old Testament, uh, you, you see uh, Saul, Saul, who did that which was right in his own eyes. Uh, he, he saw, um, he and this, uh, the army went and they, they attacked the Amalekites, they, they did this, this, uh, they went to battle against them, and they won the battle. But God had said, don't touch anything there. Don't take it under yourselves. Kill it all, including all the animals. And then the prophet comes along, and he says, hey, Saul, how'd the battle go? And now I'm paraphrasing, by the way. This is the, this is the Pastor Rob version, not the King James version. Uh, he says, he says uh, uh, how'd the battle go? It went great. We accomplished all that God said to do. And, and then you hear, meh. He goes, and what does the bleeding of that sheep mean? It was the, the animals that they took to themselves. And, and Saul's response is sometimes our response. Well, it's not my fault. <laughs> you know, the people, they wanted this. This is, what, this is all they're doing. I just did it to make them happy. I know what God said. But, and he blamed everybody else for the decisions that he made. And he, he didn't take responsibility on himself, and he didn't confess his sin. And in fact, he went so far as to, 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 to in that instance, uh, to talk, the, to try to convince the prophet to, 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 to sacrifice before the people so that they would think that everything was okay. Hypocrisy all over that, right? And then David, man, he thought he did what was right in his eyes. Well, I don't even know if he thought it was right. He just wanted to do it because it was right. He saw Bathsheba on the rooftop, and he said, bring her to me. What did wasn't right. It went completely against what God taught, what they all knew was true to be right. And then, because he tried to hide it, he knew he was wrong. He he got her husband to come and 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 hum, come home from the from the war that he was supposed to be at, and 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 tried to send her send him home so that he could hide his sin. That didn't work because the, the the man had more honor than David did, and and slept outside because his fellow soldiers were sleeping outside. He said, "Why should I go home while they're at war?" No. So then David tried to get him drunk to get him to go home, and he still wouldn't fall for it. So David sent him to the front lines with a letter saying, put him in the fiercest battle, and when the battle is at its hottest, leave him there. He committed murder. But when David was confronted with his sin, and the, and, and the prophet said, thou art the man, what was David's response? <laughs> it wasn't my fault. That Bathsheba, she shouldn't have been on that rooftop, right? No. You know that, that Uriah the Hittite, if he would have just done what I told him and gone home, none of this would have happened. No. He wept. 
He says, I have sinned against God and God only. He didn't blame anybody else. The word of God, the word, the, the word of the prophet was the words of God confronted him and he applied it to his life. If we're going to walk worthy, we need to take the word of God and apply it to our life. That's what it means to walk worthy. That we're going to live our lives in accordance with what God would have us to do. And there will be times, especially in this world that we live in today, where it, it doesn't seem plausible or, okay, or, or our culture is falling apart. It, it doesn't change the fact that that is how we are supposed to live our books, live our books, live our lives. This book is not just a book. It's, it is the word of God. And in it holds the principles that we can apply to our life, that we can live to bring honor and glory to the Lord. Despite what our culture, and despite what our country, and despite what the, the world thinks, this is how we're supposed to live our lives. Now, as we covered in the first, in the first message, uh, walking worthy is a possibility. I won't get much into this, but it is a possibility. We, uh, Paul wouldn't have commanded or called them to walk worthy if it wasn't something that they could do. Now, rem remember, it's not something that you and I can do alone. I cannot, I'm not perfect, and I will fail, and I will sin, and I will, I will make mistakes, and I will make poor choices, but I can walk worthy because of what Christ is doing in me. Remember Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 as he's praying for the disciples. He said, he said, sanctify them, the disciples, by thy truth. Thy word is truth. That word sanctification means two things. To set apart and to cleanse. And listen, God sets us apart and cleanses us through the word of God. We're called to be different. We're commanded to be different. And we're cleansed. And filled with the Spirit so that we are different. The Bible says that we're renewed in the spirit of our mind, not transformed or not conformed uh, uh, by, to this world. We, so it is a possibility. It's a path. We have to follow the decisions. It's one choice after another. Uh, it's not one single choice that I'm going to do right because tomorrow we're going to need to make that same choice. And just like Joshua said to the people uh, back in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, he said, uh, he said choose you whom this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's a pursuit. It's not something that we do today. It's something we do every day. We're to seek after the knowledge of the Word of God and apply that Word to our life. We're to, it's not just, again, that knowledge, but that, that obedience to it, to be hearers of the Word and not doers. The second part of the verse we, 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 we talked about last, last week, just for a few minutes, and again, we won't get much into it here. We already talked about it, but uh, the second part of that verse there in Colossians chapter 1 says this, uh, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And what does it mean to please something or somebody? Well, we try to please people all the time, do we not? Uh, uh, at least some people do. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you uh, by the Lord Jesus that ye that as you have received us, how you ought to walk and, and to please God, so you walk, so you would abound more and more. 
uh, we're called to please God with our walk. Now, we'll, we'll try to please our neighbors. The Bible teaches us this in Romans 15.1. Uh, it says, uh, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. We're to please our neighbors uh, with our walk, with our, the way that we act and treat them. Uh, there's, to be a, there's to be a rapport between us. Uh, we're called to do that. Think of, uh, remember the story of the Good Samaritan or the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, as we bless others, uh, we can we bring a, we bring a pleasing to them, but that also pleases God. We're to please our employers. Titus two nine says to exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things. Over and over and over again, husbands are to please their wives. Wives are to please their husbands. It's important for us to understand that we are to please those around us according to the Word of God. Now you can't make everybody happy all the time. Don't don't misunderstand me. In fact, here's a caveat. We're to please those around us, but we please God first. Because the truth is, if I have a choice between pleasing God or pleasing man, my life is to be pleasing unto God. In Galatians 1.10 says, For do I now persuade men or, or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if yet for I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. It says in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. It's important for us to understand that, that yes, we are to please those around us, to live our lives in a way that, that we show the love of God and we bring honor to God by pleasing them. But, but most importantly, we need to understand that in doing so, we please God. And if there is a please one or the other, we, please, we always please God. It is possible. Children are to please their parents. Colossians 3.20. Keeping God's commandments pleases God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. We're not to get entangled with the affairs of this life, the, this world, the things that our, our hearts are, are, are not to be here, but our hearts are to be in heaven. Our lives are not to be entangled with the, the, the culture and the, the things that can so easily take, take our attention away from the things of God. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. It's important for us to understand that we can please God with our walk. Jesus did it. God was pleased with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to walk worthy means that we walk as Christ walked. That we walk in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord. Now for the message. That was all rehashing. But we've only got the rest of this first, and then we're done. I heard somebody laugh. <laughs> Colossians 1.10 again says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Here's the next part. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We're to walk worthy. We're to walk unto all pleasing. That means everything we do is to please God. But we're also to be fruitful. We're also to be fruitful. Productive. Our lives are, are to produce the fruit of the Lord, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance uh, are, are the fruits of the Spirit that are named in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, those are to, 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 to be fruitful in our lives. We're to allow the Spirit of God to work in us. But it's not just something that happens. It should be. Sometimes 
1 John 15 talks about, and we're going to get to it here in a few minutes, but it talks about uh, Christ being the vine and, and we being the branches. And he says that a branch that is in me that beareth not fruit. And I've heard it preached before that that, that branch that bears not fruit says it be kept, that it says it be that it be lifted up, and later on it says those uh, the branches that are unfruitful are cast in the, into the the fire. And I've heard it preached that, that that one that's unfruitful is unsaved. But there's a difference between that one and the others, and we're going to look at it here in a few minutes. But there are there are branches that produce no fruit or little fruit. There are pr- branches that produce some fruit, and there are branches that produce much fruit. And we can be any one of those. It all depends on whether we're in Christ or in the vine and if we're in the world. And we'll look at that here in a few minutes. But first of all, there's a mandate to be fruitful. A mandate to be fruitful. All we have to do is look at creation. Genesis chapter 122 says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the, sea, in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. God told the animals to multiply and to be fruitful. And God told the people to, to multiply and be fruitful. And what did God tell Noah when they got off the ark? Go into all the earth and be fruitful and multiply. There was, there was a, a command to be fruitful and to, to, to bring forth and to multiply uh, what they were. Genesis one twenty eight says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Why is this so important? What happens if we don't multiply? We die. You know what's, what's funny about every tree that has fruit? Inside that fruit is a seed. And you can take that seed and you can plant it. And what grows from that seed? Another tree. Funny how that works. It's almost like God planted it that way. I don't know. God's plan works. You know, you know how I know? Because in my yard, there are a bunch of little elm trees growing. <laughs> they grow when I don't want them to grow. But it works the same way in us as well. There's a, a command to be fruitful. First Thessalonians 4, 1 says, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that, ye have re- that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and please God, so ye would abound more and more. In John 15, 8, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Jesus, Jesus gave a, a parable of the sower and the seed. And, and there were four different types of ground. We talked about this a little bit on, in Bible study on Thursday. Uh, there were four different, there's one type of seed. About, Jesus described that as the word of God. Christ is the sower. The, the, word, the seed is the word. And the four different grounds or the four different types of people that received it. Uh, some seed was cast by the wayside. And it says the, 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 the ravens came and they ate it up before it could ever have a chance to have root. There was some that was thrown onto, uh, cast onto thorny ground and some cast onto to, to, to rocky ground and some on good soil. The thorny ground, the, the, the thorns grew up and, and choked it out so that uh, it couldn't grow and produce any fruit. Uh, the the, the uh, the stony soil, uh, uh, it began to grow. Things were, looked good, but it couldn't get any root. It couldn't get any strength, couldn't get any nutrients. And when the sun came out, it burned it and killed it. And there was no fruit. The only one that produced fruit was that which fell on the good soil. 
God calls us to be fruitful. I believe that is partly the fruit of the Spirit. But many times when the Bible is talking about being fruitful, it's also talking about multiplicity, the multiplying, the casting the seed. Now, it's not your job to, to save people, but it is your job to sow the seed, to tell others about Jesus Christ. Jesus told the disciples, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We're told to go to Jerusalem, Samaria, the uttermost parts of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, to take the gospel to everybody and everywhere. It's God's job to, to bring forth the fruit, just like it's God's job to, God does the work of the growing of the seed in your garden if you have one. But if you don't plant anything, guess what? Nothing. You'll have as much fruit in your garden as I have in mine. I don't have one. There's a mandate. A mandate is God's commanded us to do this. There's a message of being fruitful. It's an indication of life. Colossians 1.6 says, Which is come unto you as it is in the world, this is time with the gospel, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of truth. Uh, uh, Paul was saying to the church here in Colossae, the, the word of God, the gospel was preached to you and it brought forth fruit in your life. Because that's what the gospel does. There's power in the gospel. Listen, I, I, I there are a lot of different ways to reach different people. And I believe that we should do everything we can to reach others for Christ. But if we do what we can do without preaching the gospel, we haven't done enough. The gospel is absolutely necessary. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It isn't enough to tell people that you love them. It isn't enough to tell people that God loves them. It isn't. An, they need to hear the truth of the gospel. Fruit's an indication of life. If we're not able to share the gospel, if there's no fruit of the Spirit in us, is there life? It should cause us to question. Jude 1.12 says this, uh, These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, speaking of people in the church, people that are there, says, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by roots. That's a description of people, some people, in the church. What's a cloud without water? A tree without fruit. It's dead. He's saying that on the outside, they look like they're Christian, but inwardly, they've never been born again. It's an indication of life or an indication of a lack of life. It's an indication of health. Luke 13.6 says, He spake also the parable, this parable, A certain man hath a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then saith he unto the, dresser of his vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on the fig trees, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I 
shall dig about it and dung it, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that it shall cut, thou shalt cut it down. This parable was, there's this tree and there's no fruit. And he says, so we, we should just cut it down. And the master said, no, dig around it, fertilize it, do everything you possibly can to, 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 to bring fruit in something, if it's alive. And the next year, if there's no fruit, there wasn't any life in it. Because sometimes what's actually alive looks dead. Sometimes there's a little bit of life left in it. What you think there's no hope for, there can be hope. So we can look at other people. And we're really good at looking at other people and judging whether or not they're fruitful or not. Because that's easiest to do. It's always easier to look at somebody else and look at ourselves. But he says, you can see somebody else and you can say, there's no way that person's saved. They say they're a Christian, but there's no fruit. What he's saying is, fertilize it. Do everything you can to help it, to strengthen it. Feed it the word. And if there is no growth, then it's an indication of our health. How's your health? Are you fruitful? It's an indication of health. It's also an indication of character. Matthew 7, Matthew 7, about, Jesus said that by their fruits we shall know them. Speaking of the false teachers. Those false teachers were taking, were, 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 he was warning them of those false teachers taking advantage of people and We'll see their fruits and we'll know them. So, so fruit is an indication. Now, uh, it's funny. Apple trees always produce apples, and orange trees always produce oranges. I've never seen an orange tree produce an apple. Tree. I've never even seen an orange tree, to be honest with you. I've never been to Florida. You have, John. But they always produce whatever it is they're made of, and that's what he's saying here. Look at the fruit. What is the fruit of their life? Love, joy, peace, and suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or the fruits of the flesh, which are also described in, in, in Galatians chapter 5. Wrath, anger, malice. It's an indication of character. Thirdly, I've seen the message, the, the maturity of being fruitful. Fruitfulness is an indication of maturity. Second Peter four one four through eight. Turn there if you would, real quick. Second Peter chapter one. This passage, one more, and then we'll be finished. It says in verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Thank the Lord for those promises, by the way. That ye that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. He's saying, by the promises of God, we can be partakers or receive of the divine nature of God, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. And beside this, meaning adding to this, give all diligence, meaning work at this, something for you to work at, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. 
Did you know that you're supposed to add things to your faith? Now, it's your faith that saves you. But this is talking about spiritual maturity. As you grow, these are things that you're to add to your faith. You're to be diligent, strive, put effort and work into adding these to faith. Now, it says, for if these things be in you, because you've worked at it, and God's working in you through the word and the spirit, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be working through the study of the scriptures and the applying of the scriptures to our lives to walk worthy, to be fruitful. Turn over to first John, not first John, sorry, John fifteen. The danger with that is he goes on to say that if if we don't have them, we will be barren and unfruitful, and we'll forget that we were purged from our own our old sins. But in John fifteen, and this is where we'll end. Mention it in the beginning of the message, but verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband, and every branch in me, underline that word, in me, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, and abide in me, and I in you, as a branch it cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye accept ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth, there's that word again, much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. We are mandated, we are commanded to bear fruit. How do we do it? By abiding in the word, and the word abiding in us. By abiding in Christ. Now we I told you, whether you underline it or not, verse 2 says, Every branch in me that beareth fruit. This is an absolute necessity for us, any of us, to bear fruit. You can't bear fruit if we are not in Christ. Have you ever seen a branch laying on the ground? Guess what? It's dead. This is specifically... Christ was using an agricultural reference. There were a lot of uh, there were a lot of vineyards in in the area, so they were very uh, a lot of olives. They were they were very uh, familiar with this olives and and uh, grapes. They were familiar with this. What, what he was talking about, but he says that vine, if it's not connected, it's not going to bear fruit. But this one says every vine that's or every branch that is in me, meaning in connected to the to the branch, and Christ Christ is the vine, we are the branches. So we're, we're connected with him. So why would this branch be unfruitful? It's in the vine. How is it unfruitful? The key is in these next few verses, or this next verse. Verse, verse uh, one says, or 2 says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, in English, that looks like it means he cuts it off and removes it. In the Greek, it means lift it up. 
when 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 they would have a vineyard, if you have a, a branch that's hanging down, uh, you're hoping olives or grapes or whatever's going to grow on it, it's going to hang down. It's going to be in the shade of all the other branches. You ever seen a tree trying to grow when it's surrounded by other trees? You go out in the forest and you get some really big trees and you get this little tree in the middle and it's just searching for light and searching for strength and just it, it can't get what it needs to grow. So you have all these massive trees with lots of coverage and this tiny little tree about that big that's doing its best. It's alive, but it's struggling. And guess what? It will never bear fruit. Do you know why? Because it's in the shade. It's, in, it's down where it's damp and, and, and mold can grow. It, it can't get any depth or strength. Those branches on the vine that are down and they're, they're out of the shade of the sun, they're, they're covered, they're down in the dampness of the, of the dirt, they're not going to grow. They're subject to, to, they're subject to, to a mold and, and diseases, and, and that could kill that branch off. But, but what he's saying is lift it up. Get it up off the ground, get it out of the dampness, get it out into the sun. Because then, being in there, it, it will bear fruit. Aren't you glad that God, in his grace, doesn't look at that branch that looks fruitless and it looks like it is without life and says, you know what, I'm done with you. Instead, if you remember to the parable, Jesus said, the master says, no, let's, let, let's put some dung around that tree. Let's, let, let, let's fertilize it. Let's do everything we can to help it so that it can grow. Listen, if this is you today, and you say, I, I don't know, I, I can't grow, I, I don't know what to do, I, I've, I've tried everything on my own. Maybe if you're saved and you're in Christ, what you need is to be in the Word. Get in the Word and study the Word. Be in church and around fellowship with other believers. Don't pull yourself away. Don't, 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 get, don't draw yourself away and get sucked into the world. That will only put you in the dirt and the dank of, the, of this world. It, it will destroy you. Instead, do everything you can to fertilize it. If there's someone in your family, somebody in the, that you see is struggling, man, don't condemn them. Bless them. Help them. Pray for them. Study the Word of God with them. Because if they're alive, they'll bear fruit. It's an indication of their spiritual health, but not necessarily an indication of their death. The second one you see there in verse 3. Sorry, verse, the next verse is, And every branch that beareth fruit, those that bear fruit, he purgeth it. You know what that purging means? It starts cutting away. You ever purge the tree so that it grows better? A bush? I hate bushes. <laughs> you ever trimmed it so that it's like your gray hair? You pull one out and two grow back. Okay, that's the old adage. It's not really true. I pull mine out all the time. You can't see any, right? It's important for us understand that there may be things that need to be cut out of our lives. We've been called to be fruitful. Why am I not fruitful? Maybe there's something in your life that's hindering your growth, your maturity, and your fruitfulness. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It could be that there's something in this book that you're not applying to your life. And I understand that we're all at different, different levels of maturity. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine kids in here. And some big kids. And a, a bald big kid. Your wife pointed at you. It's funny. These kids are all different ages. 
and they are all at all levels of education and maturity. And I don't look at the oldest one, and uh, I don't look at, the, at Elijah and, and Zeke and expect the same things from them. Do you know why? Because Elijah's older and more mature. Elijah can do things that, that Zeke can't. He mows the lawn for us, and I appreciate it. And Zeke doesn't, because I'm terrified he'd chop his legs off. <laughs> and I appreciate that he doesn't do that. So I look around, and I see people here. Some recently saved, others have been saved for years. And I don't expect to see the exact same understanding of the Word of God and, and spiritual maturity in each and every one of you. But what I do desire to see is spiritual growth. That when God does speak to you, that you take that as it is in truth, the Word of God, and apply it to your life. Not just that you get the knowledge and the understanding, but let God, let Christ sanctify you, cleanse you, set you apart, make you different through the Word. so that we can bring forth more fruit. Walk worthy, Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. That ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. How's your fruit? Are you growing? Are you in the Word? Or are you struggling? Maybe there's something that needs to be purged. Maybe you need some fertilizer. Maybe you just need to be brought up into the sun. May God help us to grow and to walk worthy of our Savior. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, help us to walk worthy of your name. Lord, you are worthy of all that we have. But God, we are not even worthy to be called your, your children, but by your grace and by the work of our Savior. Lord, you've made us your children. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your work in us. And I pray, God, that you would continue that work. Lord, we, we hold to the promise that that work which you began in us, you'll continue until the day of Christ. I pray, God, that you would help us to do our, our part, to add to our faith, to study your word, to apply it, and be obedient to it. Or that we might bring honor and glory to your name. Help us to be fruitful spiritually. Lord, help us to be fruitful in multiplying and seeing, getting the gospel out. Lord, that we might bring honor and glory to you, Father. We might, we might honor your name because your, word, your name is worthy of honor. Lord, that we, might, that we might please you. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.